0: All right. There will be bourbon. I've finally branched out of the usual chats that I do and I've managed to coerce my favorite San Francisco Giants media member, Mr. Jeff Young. How you doing, brother?
1: I'm doing well, Eric. Thanks for having me on and thanks for that uh, nice introduction.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate you uh, dredging down here with me in the slums of the, the bourbon world. Um, you, you yourself will be drinking wine. That is right. That's what we're doing. I
1: am. I have a glass of uh, Chardonnay with me right now, Frog's Leap, uh, Winery, which is in Napa, uh, California. Um, where so I just left uh, where you just left. So very good wine and a very good location.
0: Agreed. Um, and and so so this is Jeff Young. You can follow him on Twitter at baseball Jeff One. As I said, he is the fan sided editor for the San Francisco Giants at Round the Foghorn. And as always, this will be sponsored sort of, by America's Native Spirit, which is bourbon. And because of our, I guess, our mutual fandom locations, which is California, although you are not there, you live in Nevada or you are in Sparks, Nevada, correct? That's correct. Okay, so that's good. So I've got something at least from the uh, California State Redwood Empire revisiting this. Uh, It's a pretty cool bourbon. Um, They do source from around the country with Indiana, Kentucky, and Tennessee, but they do do some distilling at their own. Uh, it's in the, the distilleries in, it's up in Granton, California. But the cool thing about this, uh, it is bottled and finished in California, but for every bottle you buy, they'll plant a tree. So there you go. We're going to save oh, the planet nice. at the same time, Jeff, you know, big into the yeah. trees <laughs> and yeah. it is like an ode to the redwoods. So um, if you are ever in California, please just don't go and visit cities like LA, please get up and actually see the state specifically. Yeah. The Northern nice state. yeah and go to the giants games. And then because you are, in Nevada, I am going to go with a little fry ranch. It's so over in Fallon. Okay, right on. Nevada, is that close to you? I don't know where this is at. Uh, wait,
1: where is it at exactly? Uh, <laughs> Whatever, about.
0: right? So it's in Nevada, but one of the cool things they do, it is, uh, so most bourbons are three grains, right? As long as it's primarily yep. corn, 51%. Um, they do four grains. So they mix the uh, the rye with some wheat, and then they finish it with bourbon, and it's about 66% corn. So it is a great four-malt or, I'm sorry, four grain whiskey. And that's what we're going to be using to fuel tonight's discussion. So there you go. All right. And Jeff's drinking the wine. Good for him. You know, we'll start there. <laughs> All right. So the world series ended. a good timing award. Did you, how'd you feel about Bruce Bochy grabbing uh number four, Mr. Forever giant?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool to see Bochi get his fourth uh, world series title. Uh, it really just puts him in elite company in terms of, you know, uh, historic uh, major league managers. I mean, he's one of just a handful of people who have won at least four titles and who have won at least 2000 games. I, I mean, it's just, he was already going to the hall of fame yeah. prior to this, but this just, you know, I, I think puts him in a different company altogether as one of the great managers in baseball history. So very cool to see Bochi win. It again, very cool to see the Rangers kind of break their, um, it was their first championship. So yeah. um, I think they were established in the late sixties. So, it's yeah. been a long time coming and and it was cool to see it uh you know a, a team win it for the first time.
0: Yeah, it is pretty wild for teams that you know have been around as long as they have to not win. And we kind of take titles for granted, regardless of whatever sport it is. You know, there's some teams that have multiple, like the Giants, you know, all those other teams. The, the Yankees are obviously the most spoiled franchise in oh. professional sports, but there are a lot of Texas Rangers out there. You know? They're like the there. Buffalo Bills of football. You know, they don't ever win anything. <laughs> <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> so okay now i did because we're talking about Bochi. um and you know we do have a new hire for the managerial position in the giants organization are they trying to follow the Bochi path by taking another previous padres manager who underachieved with a star-studded roster and trying to win that one in san francisco yeah i mean there, there's a
1: more than one similarity between melvin and Bochi coming in from san diego both being former catchers both having, uh, you know, a good bit of managerial history prior to joining the Giants, um, you know, Melvin is local to the area, having attended uh, Cal Berkeley. He went to uh, Menlo Atherton High School, um, and uh, you know, I, I think it's just cool that uh, that that he gets to join the team that he grew up running for. It. I mean, uh, during his introduct uh, his introductory press conference, he mentioned how excited he was, you know, talking about his roots. It was one of the first things he mentioned. And it's just like there, there was something about it that was so like kind of special and him be brought in. But, uh, you know, to your point about the similarities between Bochy and Melvin, uh, of course there's going to be quite a few, um, not just the fact that they both previously managed the, uh, the, the San Diego Padres. They've been managing for a long time. They're, they're probably, um, you know, much similar in comparison to each other than, you know, say going from, uh Bochy to uh Kapler who's just you know a- on the opposite side of the analytical uh spectrum but uh I-, I think Melvin's maybe closer to a happy medium um so you know I-, I like the hire
0: yeah no I the my first reaction was all right I'm a fan first right I don't approach this often with common or not common not lack of common sense I don't approach this initially Lacking emotion, right? That's what I do. I, I overreact to the Giants, and I'm worse with the Bears in football. But um, so yeah, my first my first reaction was with a team or a roster like the Padres. How do you go from on the cusp of the World Series to not even in the playoffs? Right, finishing third in the division, barely getting above 500. Um, so that was my first thing. Is like, wait a minute, if this guy can't win with that lineup. We already know what we got in San Francisco, right? So two questions, right? In one. Sure. So what made them, aside from all the things you just laid out, the local the, the the local connection, the previous ties with the organization, but why go to someone like Bob Melvin, who's been a manager for a long time, obviously, as opposed to maybe looking to someone who's a lot younger, maybe a former player also, but younger, but also the second part of that question is how come we don't see, like we see in other sports where they, I guess baseball would be unique because they would pull from the minor leagues, which don't really exist in other sports, but how come no one is taken into consideration along those hires from like the double and the triple a, but then also why not just someone who's, I guess, younger and a former player.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll try to answer that. That last question yeah. first. I mean, the giants did interview a bunch of, um, you know, potential, uh, first-time managers, managers or candidates without any managerial experience at pretty much any level, um, in in the pros. I mean, Mark Holberg, who's the Giants third base coach, um, he was viewed as, as an, uh, you know, one of the top internal candidates and his managerial experience begins and ends with the Salem Kaiser volcanoes in 2019, which was a short season affiliate for the Giants. So, um, you know, they, they did, uh, they they did interview a bunch of, uh, you know, former players and, and coaches without managerial experience. So, I mean, I think you just, ha- you have to kind of make a name for yourself on a coaching staff yeah. or, I mean, you know, there are some instances of somebody getting hired basically straight from the media. I think that was the case with a guy like Aaron Boone who just knew yeah. how to talk baseball. Um, but really you, you kind of have to make a name for yourself somewhere on a coaching staff somewhere, um, in a front office before you, you can really rise up and become a serious uh, managerial candidate. Um, so I, I think that's, that's why you, um, you know, it, it's, it's tough to go straight from like former player to manager of baseball. I, I think you just need some experience that comes with that. The Giants interviewed guys like Steven Vogt, who has been out yeah, of baseball yeah. for a year now, and he's, yeah. he's on the Mariners coaching staff. He'll probably be a manager sooner Rather than lighter, but um, you just you need that that experience to go with it before you can really become a manager. Um, and, and you know, Melvin has all that experience. And uh, um, I kind of forgot where your first question was. This is well, what one One is
0: why why they would go with someone who which i think you kind of answered but someone yeah. who's been a manager multiple times but didn't really have a lot of success where they left from like what made them ultimately kind of settle on Melbourne aside from the connections to the organization i guess because like i said he did he, he was probably could have made a good case for being in the world series last year just the way things ended in philly but then you go with that team like i said and you don't make the playoffs at all and now we're expecting him to do something with a roster that's significantly less potent. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, to your point, I, I think uh familiarity plays such a big role when it comes to these hires, uh, front offices can and do uh, hire outside of their kind of inner circle. But you know, what we've seen from Far anxiety so far is that he tends to, um, oh, wow. he, he tends to hire people within his circle and, and Gabe Kapler was among those. Uh, Bob Melvin was certainly among those, um, you know, dating back to their days with the Oakland A's when uh, Zayedi was an assistant general manager and Melvin was, was the manager early in his tenure with Oakland. Um, So I I think that familiarity plays a key role. And, you know, if, if, if um, my thought process on this is that if the entire managerial field was open for Zayedi to choose from, I I have a feeling that given his prioritized, given Melvin's experience, I, I have a feeling that he'd probably be one of Zaidi's top options, um, you know, just, just for a lot of different reasons. Um, if not the, if not the top option, just because they go back, um, you know, years and years ago, I, I think he's, you know, he has the experience and the familiarity and, and maybe the trust in Zayde and the, the, maybe the, the trust goes both ways because Zaidi knows how Mel, Melvin operates and Melvin knows how Zaidi operates and, I think that just goes a long way uh in in why the Giants went with him as as the next manager
0: so i mean from a i guess from a fan perspective, I can sit here and tell you this is why it happened, but someone who's a little more level headed and even killed like yourself, maybe you can be like, so what what ultimately did Keler in It was just the lack of the ability to kind of repeat the twenty twenty one success and no real i guess. In the future, I guess, looking like there was going to be some magical turnaround, like this was kind of what we were with Gabe Kapler as a under... Well, I wouldn't even say underachieving. I think he's doing what he can for the team, right? But I would say the fact that we weren't going to get much better than probably either 500 or just below, is that kind of where they looked at with Kapler?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I have a lot of points I think I want to try and hit on with this one because I I don't think the team's... (laughs) Struggles really extend, you know, to Gabe Kapler uh, in 2023. I mean, I I think it was a roster that did just about what many expected it to do. Um, You know, guys like Mitch Hanager and Michael Conforto really underperformed if they had done what they were expected you know, maybe the Giants would have won a couple of extra games, but you know, that really, that, that really
0: is on the players
1: to do. Yeah. Yeah, Hanniger, I mean, for a guy who's, who's had a really nice career up until this point, he looked awful last year. Um, No way around it, but uh, yeah, I I don't know if 2023 was really a function of Kapler's, you know, in-game managing. I I think there were things that were going on behind the scenes. I I know there were questions as to whether uh, the players were actually, you know, fully prepared and engaged, in, in yeah, baseball was, because it's it a grind. I mean like yeah it, th- there there are definitely some weird stories guys playing games and that that's okay. It's one of those things yeah. that like if you're winning and you're doing yep. this then it's like fun and funky and yeah it, but if you're losing it's like what is this guy doing playing you know card games and all that. But you know yeah. there were legitimate questions about how he was managing the clubhouse um how he was getting the players prepared for the games and how he was kind of leading the team. I mean one thing that kind of stands out is um you know, the fact that they had a team meeting and it was led by a guy like Ron Lotus, who, you know, it, it, if you ask me, he should have been, you know, somebody who was seriously considered for the managerial opening. Um, he yeah, wasn't but- because he just, um, maybe he's happy in the role that he's in. Um, right. I, I don't know what, what the exact thing was, but the, the fact that, you know, Gabe Kapler, the manager, allowed Lotus to to kind of be the leader of that team meeting. I mean, that that just kind of makes me think that, I don't know if he was fully engaged. Maybe he was. I know he was putting work in every day, um, but it yeah. just felt like something slipped halfway through the season. I'm not sure what it was. Maybe it was just the team struggles. Um, but at the end of the day, and this is kind of where I I, I, I arrived at at some point in this season. Like I think Keppler did fine in the job that he was in, and I don't think his performance or the team's performance merited him to be fired. Um, at the end of the day, I just you know I think. <laughs> I have stronger opinions about Far Anxiety as, as a, you know, team yeah. president of baseball operations than I did for Kapler. And after four seasons, I was like, you know, I've watched this guy every day and and I just didn't have a strong opinion one way or the other um, as to whether they should keep him or not. And, you know, in in my mind, if they were looking for a way to improve the team, I think he's somebody that you could certainly do worse than, but I, I think yeah. there was an opportunity to get somebody who had a better you know, reputation among players, a better, you know, track record of success. And I think that's where, you know, that to me, that's kind of maybe what led to his downfall is just the fact that they could have done better um, from a managerial standpoint. I, I don't think he did anything necessarily, you know, wrong in an egregious sense, but I, I just think that, you know, after four years we had seen enough that, you yeah. know, Kapler at his best was maybe an okay manager and you know <laughs> if all the pieces fell into place like it did in 2021 he looks like a genius but yeah. outside of that um which is really where i think kapler's work needs to be judged is the fact that outside of the 2021 season i think he was just very okay across the board and somebody who you know they could have kept going in the next season and i think somebody they could have uh upgraded from and i think that's where somebody like melvin comes into place
0: yeah, and, and now that you mentioned that, like, I honestly, because, you know, as I did say, I'm a, a Chicago Bears fan. And I think, like, to me, Gabe Kapler in that 2021 season reminds me exactly of Matt Nagy with the Chicago Bears in the 2018 season. And, and here's the two instances why I say it. They vastly overachieved with their roster, right? Bears get to the sure. playoffs against the Eagles – Trubisky leads him down. Cody Parkey, double doinks, misses that. And they're never, never. the same from them, right? Like they're never the yeah. same from that. Like that, yeah. that moment solidified legacies for so many people on that team from Nagy to Trubisky all the way down the line. And they just, Flores didn't swing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't. That he moment didn't. though, was, uh... that moment yeah. erased everything all 107 previous wins like it didn't even matter after that like and the dodgers go on to lose whatever just like the eagles did but it it didn't matter because that moment changed everything from that point forward and it automatically just same exact thing the next two seasons underachievement based on previous levels of success and i think that's the exact type of person that um capler and Nagy were like they managed to catch lightning in a bottle for one season but somebody's failure and in this case, it wasn't Flores, it was the ump. <laughs> and then actually yeah. Cody Parkey actually did fail in that moment. Uh, but it just, it's its crazy the effect ripple-wise that it does on everybody throughout an organization.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the thing that stands, <laughs> I, I hate keep having to keep uh, coming back to this, but the thing that, that differentiates 2021, one of the main things, obviously, there, there's a couple that differentiates uh, 2021 and the ensuing two seasons is the presence of Buster Posey, who is was fantastic yeah. uh, that year, but also the the fact that they passed on uh, get, uh, Kevin Gossman for one reason or another. Yeah, um, you know him going to the yeah, it, it was. I mean, going to the Toronto Blue Jays for a deal that was extremely affordable for the yeah. team. I, I mean, and he's gone on. You know, maybe year five looks terrible, but the first two seasons, I mean, he's probably been. I think he's been an All Star, yep. and probably going to be receiving, you know, down ballot Cy Young votes again this year. Um, you know, I I think that's one thing that kind of stands out as to like what was the uh turning points. Um it's, you know, obviously Posey's retirement and then passing on Kevin gosman who seemingly wanted to stay in San Francisco was, you know, not only a good um, you know, fit for the Giants, but also a good cultural fit for the organization as well. So um that that yeah, that those are a couple of things that stand out from that season.
0: Yeah, I just and I was in there. I was I was at Game Five, and I, I sat there for like a half hour with the other people around me, and we just kept going on Twitter, like, "Look, he didn't swing." Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Um, I I wanted to go back for just a second because I meant to ask you and I didn't. But how did you end up getting into the Giants? Was this a team you grew up liking, or or, or are you from that area?
1: Yeah. So I grew up. Um, <laughs> Uh, I grew up in pretty much the same area that Bob Melvin uh, grew up in okay. uh, a couple of towns down. I, I don't know how familiar you are with that area. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, this is just a little bit of a tangent. I just mentioned tangents are great. Like, 10 days ago. Tangents are great. Yeah. I mentioned <laughs> like 10 days ago when, when Bob Melvin got the, the approval to interview for the giants, I was like, yeah, he's, you know, I, I think one thing that's really important is that he's local to the, to the South Bay, and I—I mm-hmm. I think I mix that up with the Peninsula, and those are two different areas. They're—they're yeah. they're bordering each other, and I mentioned South Bay, and there were quite a few people who were like. Oh, it's actually the Peninsula, you moron.
0: <laughs> yeah, they can't just say it's actually the Peninsula. They always got to throw yeah. in the insult afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that,
1: that, that's how I read it. They didn't know – I don't think anyone called me a moron, but there was one guy who was nice about it. Yeah. And I was like, hey, man, it's been like 15 years. I don't know. Yeah,
0: where I, where I, yeah I'm, I'm done this. with your Bay areas, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I I mean, I grew up rooting for the Giants. My first season was yeah. – uh, you know, really being a Giants fan was 97 with uh, – You know, Jeff Kent being traded, Barry Mm -hmm. Bonds doing that little pure thing. Yeah. Uh, You know, Dusty Baker reaching the playoffs for the first time. Um, And, you know, having that Brian Johnson game in 97 against the Dodgers. uh, That was pretty cool. So, been a Giants fan for a long, long time. I started writing uh, for a round of Foghorn sometime in 2017, uh, becoming the side expert in 2020. Um, You know, writing's always been a passion of mine, and so has uh, baseball. So, um, you know, I just kind of match those two things together to do what I do currently. So hopefully, cool. uh, you know, my, my help is, uh, that I, I, occasionally put out some nice content. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I you know, obviously I, I like it enough. I think it's good. I think it's, and, and plus I think the best part about you is you're very accessible. So that's, that's cool. People like that. Yeah. In my little crazy giant circle, they all speak very highly of you. So, um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. No, you, it's funny. You bring up 97. So that would have been the so I, I grew up, I was a, a Pirates fan growing up, but mainly because of Barry Bonds. Pirates were my first little league team I ever played for. And yeah. then naturally nice. it was like, oh, who's on the Pirates? And it was Andy Van Slyke, Benia, and Bonds, yep. and instantly gravitated to Bonds because he had an earring, and that's all I wanted in my life at that point. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I remember I was away at a it was this, I don't know, some baseball camp that was like a, a week long staying away from my family for the first time as a kid. And I remember one of the headlines on the papers was, um, the Giants had signed Barry Bond. And I was like, all right, oh, no. I'm a Giants fan now. So that was yeah. it. I'm a Giants fan ever since. How funny that works. Yeah. And it's kind of it, i I love how you mentioned ninety-seven was the first year that you know the Giants got into the playoffs with Dusty Baker, but it was crazy because I think it was it, it was either Bond's first or second year where they I thought they won 102 games, but they you know there was no wild card back then. And they didn't make it. And yep. It's just crazy to think about teams like that who now, like, look, the Diamondbacks win eighty-four games and they get to the World Series. Yeah, like, anybody once you get in can win, right? And that's what's kind of cool. But yeah, for a while, it's weird that for as long of a sport as baseball has been around, that they never really had that until really fairly recently. And it's made yeah. to me, it's made it much more exciting as a fan for anybody.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's part of the appeal, right? Because. You know, more and more teams have a chance of making the playoffs, and as soon as you make the playoffs, you you have a shot at the World Series. We saw that with the yep. Diamondbacks. We've seen that. You know, even a team like the Phillies last year yeah. making the playoffs, they didn't perform that well in a regular season. They were, you know, they were a back-end uh, wild-card team, um, but they weren't like any team that, like, anyone suspected to make the, the, the World no, Series, yeah. but it happens. No, no. Yeah. Um, and, and that giant season that you're referencing, I think that was the season that really – Made the wild card thing uh, a necessity because yeah. you don't want to see a 103 win team yeah. not make the playoffs. I like, yeah. that's crazy. Like now it's like you win 103 games. You're, I mean you're easily going to be first in your division. This oh, was yeah. in '93. This was before the uh, Central Division even existed, and yeah. this was with the Atlanta Braves being in the West.
0: Which yeah, made
1: no sense. Um, i i didn't get divisions it I, are I think even,
0: like i don't know why we have divisions. yeah just have leagues and just call it a yeah day, you know
1: yeah I, I i didn't get that i think um if i remember correctly i'm a niners fan too but i think yeah. the the atlanta falcons were also in the same division as the niners at one point
0: so i, I, I don't I know think if there's right. some
1: like sport carry over there that makes yeah. no sense
0: so well i mean it's like yeah, a, they, the same with the Seahawks. Like at some point, like they were in the same division with the the, the Broncos and Denver and you know Kansas yeah. City Chiefs and all before they went to the NFC. Like sports division yeah. never made sense. I'm sure it was a great good idea Ferry, at one point that floated around, but it's never really made sense. Yeah. Um. So let me let me get back to this team here because I know what sure. was like. I can honestly, I was never a Gabe Kapler fan. I thought you know he. I didn't really care for him when he was in Philly. I, all my family are Philly fans, you know, from a baseball perspective yep. outside of my brother. He's an angels fan. Cause he lives in Southern California. Nobody's ever, no, nobody I've ever known has liked Gabe Cowler from the Phillies. I thought he was great as a kid growing up. Like, I just remember him being like this Jack triple a all-star <laughs> that finally made yeah. it into the majors. And I was yeah. like, man, this dude is cool. I thought he was cool as a, yeah. like, as a kid growing up. I thought Gabe Kapler was a cool player, but I've, I never really cared yeah. for him as a manager. Right. So, um, Given, I think, for him to do as good as he did, because let's be honest, if Giants fans could be honest with the ultimate outcome of this season, I mean, look how many rookies played this year. You know, from Lewis yep. Matos to Patrick Bailey to, you know, all these guys that came in and actually made meaningful, impactful starts to Kyle Harrison coming in at the end, finally making his debut. You know, Casey Smith, you know, it was a great story for the first month before he forgot how to hit. And then he kind of figured it out again at the end. Like you had so many young guys come up that could be a, a potential core for this team in the future what were your thoughts and and kind of how do you feel they are going to be aligned going forward do you think they're all those guys are going to stay and they're going to be in the lineup as of next year going on permanently or do you think there's some of them that still got to kind of fight their way in
1: yeah i, I mean i think marco luciano for anxiety yeah. said that he was going to have the inside track for the starting shortstop gig um you know if you look through free agency at that position, there's just not a lot of obvious upgrades. So they they might just kind of have to run with that unless they make a trade, which, you know, let's face it, the Giants really haven't made uh, too many, like, substantial trades. Like, they, like they've like they made Chris some Bryant, nice trades yeah. over the past few years. Chris yeah. Bryant's the only one, yeah. really, over the past five years where they're yeah. trading, you know, prospect capital to get a player. They haven't really made that trade in years. So I, I don't know if that trend is going to change this year but recent history would suggest otherwise so i mean i think marco luciano has an inside track uh patrick bailey i I think his defensive acumen, his defensive skills yeah um you know make him a prime candidate to be the starting catcher next year and you know i i I hope they kind of pair him with a, a solid um backup catcher somebody who can handle maybe 40 or 50 games it just seemed like you know with blake sable on the roster who did his best um you know learning catching on the fly, which is really what he was doing. He had like 94 games as a pro
0: yeah, uh,
1: at catcher prior to the season. And you look at guys like Patrick Bailey, who has been catching his entire life. It's like, it's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think he did a nice job of trying to learn things on the fly. But, you know, with that being said, I, I think he, the, the, the Giants just need a little more experience to, uh, backup Bailey um, because he did wear it down at the end of the year, which was expected because yeah. he had played 80 plus games, like just once as a pro. So, you know, I, I just, you know, I think they just need a, a good backup behind him, but I, I think he showed enough to be the start of the everyday catcher uh, next season. And then, you know, to your point about guys like Casey Schmidt, um, I, I, I don't know if he showed enough this year to really stick on the opening day roster. He'd really have to have a nice spring training to do so. And and maybe even an injury or two uh, creates an opportunity for him. But uh, you know, he he's he showed improvement at controlling the strike zone. His chase rate improved as the season progressed. And you know, his struggles early on, I mean, they they were almost predictable because he was just expanding the strike zone so much that you just knew that pitchers were going to take advantage of that. And they did. Um, and he tried yeah, to improve like on that
0: college is what it looked like. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at one, I want, I, used to be a patient hitter when I played baseball, but at some point I was like, you know what? I don't want the umpire making a call anymore. So I'm just going <laughs> to swing at anything that's close. So I can, I can sympathize with Casey <laughs> Schmidt. Um, but you know, I, I think he needs uh, more time in triple A. I mean, I, I do think they rushed his promotion when they, when they did it in May, even though he kind of hit the ground running. Um, Luis Matos. I mean, I could go either way. Uh, he was really hitting well when he was called up, so it wasn't yeah. like it was a premature uh, decision on their part to call him up because he was just he was in, just killing the ball in AAA. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think the hope is that uh, you know I know everyone says that he needs to add weight, but I think the Giants want him to you know kind of maintain his his athletic uh, frame yeah. to be able to handle center field because that's a big part of his skill set so i maybe he adds a little bit of weight but i don't think he's going to get to the point where he looks like elliot ramos who's really just built like a linebacker yeah um at this point and then uh kyle harrison i i'd be surprised if he didn't start the year it, on the opening day rotation i just yeah,
0: i feel like i, I don't does. especially now you know, i think out. we saw enough yeah especially yeah i mean that creates not coming back so well not anytime yeah. soon at least unfortunately but
1: yeah, that, that creates an opportunity for Harrison. I'm gonna turn down the light a little bit because I don't like how it's like. Yeah,
0: turn down the lights. Right Make here. it a little more romantic in here, Jeff. Let's yeah. go, buddy. Let's do that. <laughs> um, I I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, so, okay, he's there. So yeah. no, I was just curious because I mean I've never like something about Elliot Ramos. He just I don't know. He just doesn't seem like. He didn't seem like last year he had much of a future because every time he got called up, you know, even when he did have a few good games, he was always back on the bench and he never really got a lot of opportunities. And I don't know if that had to do more with 2022 when he kind of, in my opinion, and I don't know if maybe I'm reading too much of this into this, but I remember his debut and he was very like his, his appearance on the, you know, on the the sidelines, like going dealing with fans. He just seemed very arrogant, like he was owed his appearance in the major leagues and he didn't really do much with it in the sec, like two years ago. And I don't know if that maybe rubbed the organization the wrong way as well, but he never seemed to really get another full-time shot. It felt like um, even when he did have, it, he put together a few good hits in pinch hitting situations exactly. this year, but it never seemed to carry over in terms of like, he got the chance like Mato's and Schmidt and these guys who just got extended time, no matter whether they succeeded or failed. The- is there anything that we don't know of with Ramos and maybe zadi Zaidi um I I'm not I, I'm not sure to be
1: honest because like yeah. he performed so well in A to yeah. the point where it was like well this guy needs an opportunity to get an extended look I mean they gave everyone Matos, Casey Schmidt Wade Meckler, um yeah, all Meckler, these guys God, kind of, that's
0: experiment I forgot about that yeah
1: <laughs> they, they gave all these guys kind of a, a long look I mean they even went to guys like AJ Pollock yeah. Um who so Ramos like many games could have <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but like I, I mean, you know, they, they went through all these options before even getting to Ramos and he never really got an extended look. Um, I'm I'm not sure if there's anything going on behind the scenes. Um, but I he did really show improvement this year um in AAA. If you look at his numbers, his you know, one of his biggest issues was uh being able to cover you know, the outside part of the plate and having, you know, too high of a ground ball rate, which yeah. in triple if your ground ball rate is like forty five percent or above, that's that's really tough to Um, you know, tolerate because it's, you can't really hit extra base hits on the ground. Um, It happens, but it's, it's usually an accident at that point. And we saw, you know, in shipway, we saw improvements with his ability to um, impact the ball at the right angle. His ground ball rate did improve his line drive rate went up. So, you know, positive things, but at this point, you know, I think it's more about controlling the strike zone. Um, You know, he still strikes out quite a bit. His, His walk rate is still, uh, not, not too high, and I don't think that's ever going to be a part of this game. Um, but it's also a little concerning that he's kind of grown. Uh, he's like, what's the phrase? He's like grown out of center field at this point. Like his sprint yeah. speed, yeah, you see. know he he's not he's not extremely fast at this point, based on you know the baseball savant uh, data, which is a little concerning because that was supposed to be a part of his skill set was. Yeah you know guy hit for power and was able to handle center field but yeah it looks like he's a more of a kind of
0: crazy diving yeah we saw him in richmond a couple years back
1: yeah I, I mean it looks like he's going to be a corner outfielder at this point and you really have to hit for power you got uh, plenty Jimmy of those outfielder and, yeah yeah i mean Unfortunately. That's, that's the problem uh, too many corner outfielders and not enough center fielders so i i mean i think uh Ramos is kind of at that point where, you know, if he's going to be a corner off, he has to, for a lot of power, he has to be able to lift the ball consistently yeah. and have a better, you know, ha- have better swing decisions. And I, I think he showed improvement in that area. And I was a little surprised that he didn't get more of a look that he did in, uh,
0: 2023. Yeah. Um, all right. So I already know every giants fan thinks we're going to try and sign Shohei Otani. Um, <laughs> Is it more likely to get the other guy from Japan? That's a big deal, free agent this year. Or what do you do? You think the what? What was your percent that you would put on the Giants signing not making a run? We get that, but what do you think? Yeah, how are you below fifty? Yeah, or what?
1: I I don't know. I I mean Andrew Baggerly put out that that piece probably about ten days ago, saying that the the Giants will not be outbid for. Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who pitches yeah, in NPB is a star there. Um, however, the same was said not by Begley, but the same was said by for for Aaron Judge mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. We know how that played out. So, yeah. um, and the Giants just not, have not had luck in signing players from the Pacific Rim in the past. Yep. Uh, maybe the um, presence of Bob Melvin helps that this year, but I don't. It, it's hard for me to be confident about something that just really hasn't happened for them in a long, long time. Maybe it happens this year. Maybe things start to change. But, you know, you look at their, their history in free agency. You look at their history at signing players internationally. It, it's just not good. So um, I, I'm I'm sitting under 50%. I'd be happy
0: to be wrong about that, though. Well, I mean, you, you can't almost break even with 50 per, less than 50%, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we knew that was coming. Yeah, I just had to mix that in. Um <laughs> So my thing with Shohei, I was wondering what you think about this, because I, I don't know if maybe you've seen it, even if you have it on, on Twitter or X, whatever the hell it's called at this point. Um, We saw how effective Shohei Otani was in the World Baseball Classic when he came in the close, right? I, I'm not sure what it benefits him to come back to try to be a starter. Why not do the two way thing, but just be a closer and in a DH and you can do both in the same game. You know, like there's yeah. no reason for him to, to always, if to have a second major injury as a pitcher, like, like, I'm sorry, just based on the human anatomy and the fact that he's gifted enough to throw as hard as he does, he's always going to be injured at some point. Like that's just that you, you can't throw a hundred miles an hour and not have an injury. He's had a second major one. So it's another year long recovery before he ever pitches again. Why go back to trying to put the stress and strain of being a, a full-time starter when you can just come out and, and just dominate for a few innings or a few outs.
1: Yeah. Uh I mean money's got to be a big factor there, right? Because that's closers make his, money, his, right? Closers make closers make money. Make money. They, they do, <laughs> but that's part of his unique appeal is the fact that he could be, you know, an all star pitcher and an all star hitter. I mean, it, there's just, you know, it's it, there's there's no there's no case study of this really except yeah. for Babe Ruth. But you know, yeah. very, very different time back then. Right. Um So I think, you know, money and, and the fact that he wants to do it is, is, you know, going to be what, what, you know, drives him. But, uh, at some point they might have to have a conversation about that. I don't know if this most recent injury was classified as, um, uh, Tommy John surgery. I think it was, it has the same recovery time. Um, it was okay. Officially like, I remember reading something more vague like elbow surgery. So that, that's, that's why I'm just putting it out there. Um, but if it's a second Tommy John surgery, I mean, I, I remember doing research on this. I wrote an article years ago about like, you know, pitchers who what, what their career span is after their second Tommy John surgery. And it's like it's really not good um, that the lifespan might be, you know, four or five years. Of course, I, I did this in the context of the Giants being interested in uh, Nate Ivaldi, who's you know yeah. I think surpassed just, just everyone's expectations, pitched well um, in that regard. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he's he's become he's become a postseason you know force at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But he also had two Tommy John surgeries, so the the mm-hmm. recovery process has improved to the point where it might be more viable. The pitchers to mm-hmm. to have a second Tommy John surgery and still have a career after that. That was not the case like ten years ago when guys mm-hmm. like you know I, I don't know if you remember an ace prospect named jared parker who had tommy john surgery was recovering you know had uh re injured the elbow and that ended his career i mean that wasn't that wasn't all that common um but hopefully that's that's different now and and we've seen with guys like Iavoldi that you can come back from this so i mean for otani i think um you know, it's money's going to be a big factor, but importantly, this is something that he wants to continue doing because it's something that he is exceptional at.
0: So he's, yeah. he's so unique in that regard. Well, that's why I feel like someone should just sit down there and be like, look, man, you can be an exceptional closer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I get it. I, I like, trust me, I, I, I pitched and I always liked the fact that I could go out and pitch as a starter. Like I always wanted to do that. But I get, you know, eventually when you come up through the majors and the minor ranks, you get kind of, this is what you're going to do. And I just don't know if anyone's ever said that to him, right? Like, hey, love the fact that you want to do both, but this is what you're going to do. So, yeah, because at some point, you know, the player is the player. He doesn't get to take, you know, he doesn't get to run every decision. But I don't know. I think coming back from a second major surgery like that, and I know there are outliers, and he is probably the – outlier of all outliers from a physical standpoint baseball wise but yeah i don't think the odds are in his favor to be like the starter that he was again and even then like i don't know, maybe your opinion's different but i wouldn't consider him to be a number one starter on every team in baseball he's a great pitcher but he's probably more of a number 2 than anything for the length of a season
1: uh he he might be i I don't have those numbers in front of me. Yeah. I know he had a three plus uh ERA this year, so yeah it, it's it's you know i i wonder if we're talking about this three or four years down the road where it's like oh um otani has another injury that he has to deal with i mean, I think that at that point he'll he'll have to make a decision as to whether being a pitcher is viable or whether moving to the bullpen is an option but um yeah, it's um. Yeah, I mean he's 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 an extremely effective pitcher when healthy. Um, is he a number one? I, I think he has flashes of that. And he throws 100 miles an hour. He's a yeah. lefty. Um, so I mean he has those things in his favor. He's he's pretty, just dis- you know, distinct in that regard. But um, yeah, I, you know, it's it's got to be a conversation if if these injuries keep uh, flaring up. Hopefully they don't.
0: Speaking of the two way stars, right? The Giants got a few in their organization. We've Got to talk about do. How do you like to do this. This you you're a big pipeline guy. Um I guess my question would be is if the are the Giants actually gonna let him do this. And then in my opinion, it looks like Eldridge is kind of ahead of Crawford. <laughs> what do you which which do you think has a quicker path here? And are the Giants gonna be patient with with both of these guys? With Crawford being a little, you know, I guess he's probably four years older. Eldridge, I mean, I get it, he's 18, 19 years old. Of course, you're gonna be patient, but it looks like he's kind of hit the ground running in the pro circuit. Like from my opinion, he's, he's hitting the ball hard. I don't know if he's pitched or not. I know you said that they usually don't let guys right out of high school start pitching right away, but um, is that yeah. something the giants are going to pursue from a two-way stand? Yeah.
1: I, I mean, that's what they committed uh, to. Um, Reggie Crawford was coming off of Tommy John surgery. So his usage, <laughs> his, his usage this year was, uh, was pretty light in both, uh, hitting and on the mound. I think he had yeah. I think he was even and he had 17 plate appearances this year, this year and 17 innings pitched. Nice. So it's just kind of a uh, kind of uh, symmetrical in that way, but um at least in Arizona Fall League I got to see him a little bit over the past oh, cool. week. Um cool. offensively, I mean, his the, the power looks like a pretty solid tool. Um there's a lot of swing and miss. Uh you know, he has a pretty aggressive um yeah. uh swing and he works deep counts. So with that, I think it, there, there's just you know, there's going to be a lot of strikeouts inherent in his game. Um, I, I'm not sure if there's much he can do to uh, offset that without sacrificing power. I think uh, the power is going to be his carrying tool offensively, but to me, it, it's still pitching is his uh, best attribute. You know, he has a he has a good fastball that sits. You know, he's a left-handed pitcher yeah. uh, that sits in the high 90s. He has a good slider. Um, you know, I think the, the chances of him moving as a pitcher quicker. Um, are are much more likely than moving as a hitter, but you know they're going to at least try to experiment with that until they can't anymore. And, and my hope is that they're not, you know, taking, you know, they're not taking him away from his primary traits, whether that be pitching or hitting yeah. um, by trying to focus on something that may not pay off down the road, but it's something that they're trying to do right now. Um, Bryce Eldridge uh, looked really good. Um, yeah. You know, He reached San Jose this year, which at one point or another, if if a high school prospect, and he was on the older side for a high school oh, prospect, yeah. I believe, um, if a high school prospect reached full-season ball um, in their draft year, that was like a big kind of eyebrow-raising thing. It's different now because they got rid of short-season ball. They yeah. you know condensed the minor leagues a little bit, but he looked really good. Um, in a batter's box in the the time that we saw him with San Jose you know he hit for power he made really loud contact um mm-hmm. you know I know there's been a couple of comparisons out there um that his swing kind of reminds people of a guy like Matt Chapman to me he looks more like Cody Bellinger there's 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 a violence to his swing yeah so when yeah, he makes when, when he makes contact he you know he does damage and it's you know it's not similar swing wise to Reggie Crawford but the 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 um, outcome is typically the same is that when he makes contact it's pretty damn loud yeah. uh and on the pitching side i think he he he's more of a balanced prospect in that regard um we haven't seen him yet but i, I you know he has a good four pitch mix his fastball um hits the mid 90s i think he has better control better overall uh pitch mix than than crawford um or I, i'm sorry not better pitch mix but uh just just more of a balanced um, skill set than Crawford, in my opinion. But you yeah. know, there's people who are going to disagree about that, and that's fine. Um, so I, I think the, the Giants are going to really try with with Bryce Eldridge. And I think with Crawford, it's going to be, in my opinion, again, uh, pitching is going to be what um, keeps him uh, moving up the, the minor league ladder. And, and if he can hit, that's great, too. Uh, is, do they want Crawford to start, or is he more of power out of the bullpen type of guy? um i i think for now they're going to try to get him to start uh they need to get his arm strength up to to be able yeah. to do that at this point i mean poster 17 innings in the last two years yeah, so that's, that's why i'm yeah. saying like it's that's gonna take time. hard
0: to become a starter yeah uh, and then yeah. you know i think people should take into consideration like a high school kid going straight into pro baseball and and, and hitting like you described like people don't understand most kids in high school like him. you got to remember they're not hitting guys who can throw in the nineties and like yep. everybody, everybody in the minors, the most one or two kids, maybe they'll play against other good prospects, but for the most part, they're, you know, they're playing against guys who might touch 80, but they're in the seventies, right? Like yep. high school pitching is not minor, minor league pitching. Right. So yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's a very positive sign for anybody wanting to see if Eldridge is good to actually make the next the step. That's awesome. I think that's cool. Yep. Like, I, I just love seeing these dudes come out that young and, and picking up and having success right away. That's really cool. It is. Um, I wanted to go back to this World Series real quick because I saw something last night and I was like, "Wait a minute, that can't be true." But apparently, Corey Seeger was a two-time World Series MVP. When did when did the Dodgers win? <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: when, when did the, when did the history? 1988
0: is what I remember because I remember Kirk Gibson <laughs> running around the bases. I don't. Oh yeah, do, doing that fist pump. <laughs> i remember that as a kid but they're definitely like the daughters didn't win any time in recent memory like 2020 is like you know that meme of the girl on the plane like that motherfucker's not real like that is <laughs> yeah not a real title yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not yeah yeah it's it, um it, it's it's
1: one of those things that you know look in in history books that it, it says that they won but it, it you're always going to have to add that caveat that like hey it was a 60 game season that year so no road games in yeah. the
0: playoffs. No fans. Yeah, no, no
1: fans. It was a weird, odd year, and they, they was. you know, yeah, it was a weird, odd year.
0: Did I go to a game? Did you go to any of the Giants games during that time? Did they, no, I don't know if I did or not, I can't remember. Well, yeah, I think I did. Yeah, I—I I don't remember. I don't know. I went to a ton of games in the twenty-one season, but yeah, I think I did go to one of the—I don't, know, whatever. It was a weird, very weird time for sure. Um. So next year, right? So, you know, Bob Melvin comes in. Obviously, there's gonna be a lot of turnover. There always is. There's so much arbitration going on. I just you know, one of the guys I just wish could stay healthy. He reminds me a lot of um and what was the dude? He was the left handed dude that he was always like a like a, a pinch hitter with the Giants and he got hinted up getting traded away, I think, or he signed elsewhere. God, what was that dude's name? Duggar, Steven Duggar. Like,
1: Oh, Steven you know. Duggar. Okay. Yeah. Like,
0: I love Duggar. I just thought every time that dude played, he just, that dude just played hard and he was, he was a grinder dude, he, but he can never stay healthy. Yeah. And he reminds me of the, he's the left-handed version of, of Austin Slater. Like, I would love for Austin Slater to be able to just be healthy and play a full season because I feel like every time I watch him and I know like he, he had this really awful stretch this year where I think he was like, oh, for 35 Here. or something. He was for a month. Yeah. But I feel like every time Slater's out there, he, he, the dude just plays and I'm hoping with guys like him that Melvin's not going to be like oh I'm sorry there's a you know there's a right-handed pitcher coming in now you're not allowed to play baseball anymore like this whole (laughs) Kapler iPad analytic bullshit like I can't I cannot stand it and I know for the most part overall there are splits that support this but I think if you're a it's like can you imagine if if Kapler coached Barry Bonds Mm -hmm. Like, would he le- would Bonds only finish with, like, 600 home runs because he missed an opportunity to hit off of, you know, left-handed pitchers? I mean, come on. Like, it's still baseball. These guys made their entire way up to this point, being able to hit off of both sides. You don't just be like, well, starting in high school, hey, sorry, coach, can't – he's a righty. I'm a righty. I I can't play tonight. Sorry, I can't do it. So, I- I'm just curious, like, do you think the- 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 we're going to see more actual full-time, like, here's a lineup that we can expect every night and, and this – non-platoon style that unfortunately we've come accustomed to in Giants land with Melvin. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Melvin, you know, um, I, I, I can't say I know exactly how I managed in Oakland. I know when he was in San Diego, he had guys like Machado and Tatis and, yeah, you want you want know, and Bogarts and, and like, obviously you're going to play these guys every day. No one gives a shit as to who's pitching. Um, but, you know, it, it really depends on the roster that he's given. Um, you know, if yeah. if the roster is set up to where Austin Slater is a good, you know, high-functioning fourth outfielder who, who handles left-handed pitching, that's probably going to be the role that he plays. Um, but I'd be surprised if anyone went as extreme um, with the platoons as Kapler did. I, I just can't yeah. envision Melvin doing that. And it also makes me wonder as to, like, what role Slater might have because – you know, you look at the numbers and, you know, he plays hard. Uh, he does well against lefties, but the numbers just don't support him against right-handed pitching. And, and they really never have, uh, even when he's done well, it's like usually a product of, you know, a high batting average on balls in play. But um, I, I just kind of wonder what role he's going to have with the Giants in 2023 if Melvin wants to play him out there for 400 at-bats a year when, you know, half of those at-bats are get, uh, coming against right-handed yeah. pitching. that. Just maybe an unfavorable matchup for him. So, um,
0: arbitration, yeah. I, I mean, Ooh,
1: so. yeah, he's an arbitration guy. I mean, I, I don't think he's going anywhere, uh, because the Giants really value his skill set, but mm-hmm. it just kind of makes me wonder him in particular, like being the soft side of a platoon, uh, matchup it, it is really a tough role to fill. And, you know, I think Slider does that pretty damn well. Um, but there, you know, he's also a streaky hitter, and there are just times like we saw in 2023 where he, he'll go pretty much a month without getting a hit like it's crazy but um yeah it's, i know uh, i can do that i can totally go yeah <laughs> yeah give, give me a bat right be a bat yeah, i can do that <laughs> um but yeah i think uh i mean i just can't imagine that melvin uh manages as aggressive the platoons as as um oh, day so not. i, I think that not. that it, that, I think that means more playing time for somebody like Slater if he's still with the team. But, you know, he's still going to be matched up against lefties
0: quite a bit. And then a big point of, uh, I would guess, <laughs> contention, because I know, like, you'll always be like, it's not too late to erase those yash tweets. But I oh. like, <laughs> Skrimsky, like I was at Oracle for Yastrzemski's very first hit. It was a, a, a yep. very high pop-up bloop into I remember. the field. Yeah, I, I watched it. But – I mean, now that's like almost – we're five years later, I think, right? Yep. At least so – and I know he's arbitration guy as well, but I feel like the Giants just have too many outfielders and none of them that anyone feels like, hey, these are our three, right? Especially if we're going to consider Matos sure. full-time and center. Um, I, I'm i over the Jock Peterson thing. Um I don't think Conforto is going to stick around as much as I like him, but he doesn't stay healthy either. Hanegar we're stuck with for two more years, right?
1: Yep.
0: And then outside of Slater, which we already talked about, I like Sable. I think Blake Sable should be an outfielder. I mean, the dude's got power. He's a little – he's like Jack Peterson out and left, but I think he's faster. (laughs) Both of them I would take – long. like going forward, I would take Sable over Peterson. I think they have very similar power. Peterson's probably a way more streaky power guy, but I think if Sable was given an opportunity to play a full season, that guy probably hits 20, 25 home runs. I think, I don't know if he's got a spot to do it, but that's, I think like really tough roster decisions because we've got so many guys that are kind of like interchangeable. And I don't think that's a good thing to have on a team. If you're trying to you know win a world, like, look at, look at the rosters we just saw for the diamondbacks and the, you know, the, the Rangers you can look at those one to nine and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to roll those guys every, every game. Sure. You don't really see that with the giants. And then look how long it took for them to be like, Oh yeah, we should probably play Wilmer Flores every day. Like, yeah, that guy could probably hit 35 <laughs> home runs if you just play him against yeah. all pitchers. But it's like, so I'm so excited to see a different version of the lineup, but I just don't know who the hell is going to be in it. Like, who do you think's the starting nine next year? You want to make a run at that? Aside from Um, Bailey, we got Bailey. You know, we've got got uh, Estrada, right? Okay, so you got seven positions. I guess we're gonna have Luciano at short. Yep. Who plays? Yeah, I
1: mean it's it's hard to say. I think, you know, I I don't think the infield was a glaring weakness, so I I can understand that. You know, hey, they just might be content with keeping it as is, but the outfield was. It just didn't they, – they, they didn't produce. Um, no. You know, guys like Conforto. <laughs> I'd rather see struggled. Wade back out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm surprised that uh, – and it makes me a little concerned about his, like, long-term um, projection. I'm a little concerned that they went with Wade so much at first base because he was originally an athletic yeah. outfielder. Yeah, um, he was brought I so, Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what changed, like, even as a corner outfielder. Um, but they rarely mm-hmm. used him out there. I don't, I don't know if it was the knee, John maybe it was did. the
0: lingering knee injury. They couldn't it, play him. It, in the very outfit. well. Yeah,
1: it, it very well could have been. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think the infield is probably going to look pretty similar. Um, Luciano, probably, JD Davis probably. I mean, Estrada is going to be the starting second baseman, and then a combination of Wilmer Flores and Lamont Wade Jr. Um, I think they're going to try to stay away from having a a put or not put you know, D H only player like they had with jock peterson last year like he should not have been playing outfield um it's a mistake when that happens uh something something went wrong uh every time um but the outfield as a whole it's like they have a lot of options but it's like you know it's like um i don't know if this is the right analogy but like if you have like three qbs on your roster then you have yeah, you no qbs either. on your yeah, roster right so i i mean i think with the outfield it's like well they have five options but also they probably don't have any options who are like legitimate um everyday players right now i mean you mentioned mike istremski um you know it would be nice to see what would have happened if he stayed healthy he was a pretty yeah, productive player would, but kind of you know away. he missed half the season Again. um michael conforto has the the opt-out which maybe he exercises it i'd be a little surprised i just don't know if he gets more guaranteed money yeah i think in free that's agency he could um, and then there's Mitch Haniger, who's going to be playing somewhere. Like I, he can't be as bad as he was last year. I just like, you know, you look at his numbers and it's like, well, this guy was a good player for a long time with Seattle. I'd be surprised if he was as bad as he was last year. Plus there's the, you know, he'll have an opt out after next year as well. So there might be some financial incentive to to try and get back on track. And then Luis Montes, it's like, can he take an offensive jump? Like I think he did. He finished the year nicely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but
0: I, I like my, yeah, I do,
1: but what's concerning about him is, you know, he has the sprint speed. Mm. Um, but his, his defense in center field was pretty rough, his reads. And I remember seeing this last year too. Um, his, uh, in 2022, his reads are not that great. His routes are not that great. Um, so, I mean, that's something that you can improve upon. Like you can't teach sprint speed. You can't teach yeah. a fast person to be fast. Like he has that going yeah. for him. And I think yeah. that's the biggest quality. Um, but there, there's a lot that has to happen right for the giants for their outfield to really be productive. And I, like, I don't know. Um, it, it just feels like they're, they're betting too much on, you know, everything just kind of falling into place. So I, I mean, I think that's one area that they can look to to upgrade. I don't think they'd be too disappointed if my uh, Conforto opted out.
0: Yeah. And then, I mean, if he does fine, but you're still with, stuck with Haniger. I don't think you're going to be able to trade him. Nope. Um he's, he's here. He's here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I I I think the only thing that can really comfort Giants fans is some sort of pitching upgrade and you're already down Cobb, so you're hoping Harrison sticks with Webb and then yeah, Wood is clearly not the guy that was there in 21. Um Who's the other dude that just keeps hurting his ankle? I keep, I keep forgetting his name.
1: Oh, it's Escaloni. Yeah, yeah, he's. he's I not mean, the
0: same. so, yep. and then I, 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 think you know already the Giants scoring with Manaya, who kind of finished good, but you know, you, nobody wants to see Sean Manaya out there either. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. And then my, my big man, I, I, I know no one. I get destroyed when I finish <laughs> I just don't think Davila is a, is a, is a long-term closer. Like that guy just doesn't seem to ever know where he's at, at any time. It doesn't matter what's se- it. I remember going to the Yankees game. I think it was the the first season. It was the second game of the season. Crawford yeah. hit a home run. Right. So, but the yeah. ball <laughs> gets like two pitch count violations. The, the Yankees get like bases loaded and then he gets out of it. Like that's always what seems to happen is either he, he puts It's your, and you just look at him. He's just like, Oh, I'm supposed to pitch. You're right. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I just don't, I don't really, that dude's arm talent is insane, but I just don't know if he's someone you, you, you bank on in in big pressure situations. Cause he had that stretch where I think he blew like what, seven straight saves. I mean, this season, it was such a weird season, man. Like it just really was despite everything. But, but yeah, I come back to Duvall where I'm just like, I just don't, I don't think he's the dude. I just, (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, the margin of error for him, fortunately is pretty high because he can throw, you know, hundred plus mile an hour, yeah, and, you ridiculous. know, cut fastballs and sinkers and forcing fastballs. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's a bunch of different looks. Plus he has that slider. That's just, you know, it, it's just got, you know, fantastic, uh, vertical and horizontal movement. Um, you know, it, it, opposing hitters really struggle against it. And to me, that tells you everything you need to know about his slider. Um, but I, the margin for her is high. His uh command is never gonna be great. Um, and he's you know, I, I think he's still developing a little bit. I, I think um, you know, when when he was coming up as a prospect, he was a starter and you know, he was really? a starter who threw hard with control issues. And uh, you know, the control issues are still are still prevalent to an extent. But when he's on, he's he's very good. But uh, you know, we saw that that pretty rough stretch and I think it was August where he blew several saves in a row. I don't have the exact number,
0: yeah. but uh, that was kind of ugly to see. I wonder if he's like, he's his future Chapman, but just at an earlier age, because Chapman's like the setup guy now, throwing 104. <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah, just blows my mind. Like that guy's your setup guy and he may hit three batters in a row because that's what I feel about Duvall at this point. Like I never, I have never got to a game where Duvall goes in and I'm like, here we go. We got it. 100% confident. Like I'm just <laughs> waiting for something bad to happen. And I never felt like yeah. that way. The Giants, I feel, have always going all the way back to Rod Beck. I always thought they had great closers. Like when they came in, you're like, "All right, this is good." And I just don't feel that way with Deval. Just that guy makes me nervous every time. But all right, Jay, I'm not going to keep you much longer. Give me it. Go ahead. Let's let's do the prediction game. Where are the Giants finishing next year? What do we got? <laughs> don't say fifth place. Oh, don't say the Rockies are ahead of them. Cause then I just,
1: yeah, I, I hope not. Um, I, I mean, I've been bad at this the past couple of years. I said <laughs> in 2022, they were going to win 87 games. I said in 2023, they were going to win 85 games. Uh, so I, I mean, you know, take, take what I think with a massive grain of salt. And we also don't know like what moves they're going to make at any point. Let's just call it 82 wins. Um, let's let's that's let's improvement. be slightly optimistic
0: that's all it takes to get in right just got to get that last wild card yeah
1: well 82 wins you should be year? like
0: i i don't i don't i don't i don't think the dodgers are going for i think the dodgers have peaked beyond anything they're going to do again next year they still got bets and freeman but i don't think that team's very good i just they have i think they they remind me of the giants in 21 where they just massively overachieved they got hot but if you looked at them throughout the first two months of the season, it's kind of what I thought they were. They were just kind of, they were there. They're a good team. And then they got hot. But I don't think they're a very good team. If, if you remove Betts and Freeman, pitching staff's older. I know they got a few new guys coming up, but they're unreliable. Kershaw yep, yep. is Kershaw. He, well, you know, Kershaw is my favorite because he's so good in the regular season. But when you really need he it, he's a big he guy, just terrible, <laughs> which I love to watch from a Giants perspective. But it's it's fun. <laughs> um, and and yeah so and i don't know what the, maybe the padres do better with a different manager but they still don't have the pitching and yeah the Rockies are unfortunately the rockies and then the diamondbacks <laughs> i honestly think are pretty they're positioned i think really well they, they're gonna have to replace kelly because he's getting old but they got a good team um and i don't like i hate tommy Pham. <laughs> yeah i <understand> the guy <laughs> Uh, but I love their roster, man. I love those guys. I felt so bad actually for was it Alec Thomas in center field last night on that? I don't know if you watched that game. Yeah, I saw that. He, the the misplay, that was pretty rough. Yeah, I he's... watched that. I was like, oh my God, I felt like I was watching like my Beer League softball league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like I've been there before. I, I know totally. what he's going through. Just never in like game five of the or game six of the world Series. Yeah. was With like everyone side. watching. Yeah, never. I felt so bad for him in that moment. But uh yeah. Um I think the Diamondbacks unfortunately are they're they're set for an extended period of success. So
1: Yep. Yeah, that's well, what it looks like.
0: Let's hope the Dodgers all get uh, you know, maybe No, I won't say that. That's mean. Um yeah, you know, let's just wish the worst to the Dodgers and, and kind of go from there. I appreciate you hanging out for an hour or so on the happy hour. Thanks so again, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Eric. This was fun. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Drink some sometime. wine. I'm going to pour some more bourbon and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. It's a little late for me out here, but you know, enjoy your, uh, your West coast. It's the one thing I miss most about the West coast is like everything with sports is, is over and you still have your life out here. It's like, is it really midnight and I got to work tomorrow? <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs>
1: I, I wish I could. Um, I, I mean, I go to bed super early. So it's like once the Giants game ends, during the season, I'm like, I'm in debt. I'm asleep. Yeah, but um, that's perfect.
0: It It, it is, um, but it's, I don't know. I, just, I wake up early, so. Um, the Giants games come on most day. of the time at 10, 10 out here. I'm like. <laughs> yeah, that, that's rough. <laughs> it's all, oh, it's awful. Unfortunately, uh, like I moved to a different project to where I could at least start later. But man, I remember like when yeah. I had to get up at, you know, five every morning, I was just when the Giants yep. game started. I'm like, I can't do this. I just yeah. watched, watched two innings. See what happens as soon as I open Twitter. Check in in the morning. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I know, man. All right, brother. I appreciate you. Thanks.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on.